Common Sense, and I'm here with Dan, the Ambassador of Nonsense. Welcome, everyone. And we we had a choice of what we were going to talk about today. We were either going to talk about tax evasion because of Pope Francis's little little scolding for us terrible, evil tax evaders who aren't paying the income taxes because we don't believe in redistributionism. Uh, or we could talk about science, and uh, I think we're gonna we're gonna talk about hold science. Hold on, just a minute. Kind of. <clears throat> well, let's talk about science, but but real quick, I, I have not read or read about this Pope Francis thing you're you're talking about. Okay, and I just want to uh, get straight. Was this, was he actually talking about the income tax not as a way of supporting the functions and operations of government but specifically as a wealthy uh, redistribution mechanism if and, i understand that we have it to support right. it like that i didn't read the article it was in uh man i can't think of the i, I just the way you said it, it's like wait a minute the say you 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 have to contribute your fair share to the stuff your government does for you that's one thing but to say to come out and say uh, you're 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 being morally bad for not contributing to the redistribution of wealth. That's like just so anti-Catholic to say that. Yeah, uh, Pope on taxes. Okay, Breitbart.com. Pope Francis taxation is a important tool for wealth redistribution. So that's their headline. Some oh, we'll so, have to go see, back there and you read go. it. See yeah, what he actually and, said. You know, because sometimes headlines are a little bit misleading. Um, so it's, we'll go back it sounds and, and like, that in detail It looks like it is what, what it is, what, what you see it. You could, I think you could take it at face value here. Yeah. Okay. Taxation so. must favor the redistribution of wealth, safeguarding the dignity of the poor and the least who always risk being trodden underfoot by the powerful. The tax man, when he or she is just promotes the common good. What the hell is the common good? What does that mean? You know what? Let's talk about that along with this because there's a really good explanation and and definition of the common good that is not what he's talking about. Yeah. In fact, he completely okay. misunderstands what the common good is. So, yeah. All right. Next week, um, guys. Yeah, we are going to dig into this in depth next week and answer the question, is it sinful to evade taxes? Um, but until then... Um, we'll talk about science, pseudoscience yeah. and fake science and all the other wacky science because it just occurred to me that, I mean, I'm, I'm seeing these scientists and not so scientists tell us all these, it, it just seems like insane things. And then I see other men who are of equal stature, uh, academically say the exact opposite. And it's like, okay, both of these camps can't be right. One of them has yeah. to be wrong, and one of them has to be wrong in a really, really big way. You know, it can't just be, oh, I was mistaken. It's like, no, your your whole way of looking at all of this is so far off that it, it's inexcusable. So do you have some, do you have like any specific um, examples? Well, for the... The climate change. Well, no, let's just talk about these masks. Okay. And I, I'm saying scientists, but not necessarily scientists. 
you know, science is is one of those things. It's uh, it's kind of broad. It's pretty broad, but a medical yeah. person is a scientist. They're right. Yeah. It's the practice of science. You know, mm-hmm. it's and and they're on the ground. A doctor had to go to school to learn to be a doctor. He had For to a long do time. well and things. <laughs> yeah, a very long time. And he had to do like you know he had to do some things that you can't really fake like mathematics, and chemistry, things like that. He had to at least take part in these things and pass. Um, so why would my no- local doctor say you should be wearing a mask? Why would any doctor say that when they know that all the studies say that they shouldn't wear masks or that the masks don't do anything for us? What are they giving in or are they, is there something wrong with them? And how are they, why are they following this protocol that's been sent out? I, it, it blows my mind and it reminds me of, and when people talk about it and argue about it and I hear the two sides, it kind of reminds me of what Galileo went through where he's trying to convince them that this is a better system to look at our solar system through and to to be able to calculate where the planets are going to be and stuff like that. And uh, he was rejected by the by the leading scientists of that time. Yeah, that's, that's something, you know, to understand is that people think of the Galileo story as <clears throat> Galileo um, sort of representing the science of the day being beaten down by the Catholic Church, representing the anti-science, not wanting to change beliefs or whatever, you know, right. like that. Yeah, that's well, it wasn't it's... really like that. Yeah. The, right. the, the, the science um, consensus of the day was against Galileo. Yeah. And that's kind of important to understand. Yeah. So the, the way the science consensus today is against um, the guys who are saying, look, man has nothing to do with climate change. Climate just changes. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and, and in the same way, uh, Louis Pasteur was, was fighting the science of the day saying, Hey, these diseases are caused by microbes. And they were saying, No, they were not caused by microbes. And he's saying, Yes, they are. There's germs. You should wash your hands before, say, operating. And they didn't believe him. He had to convince them, Yes, you have to wash your hands because you have microbes on your hands and you're putting them into this person's body and that's what's causing the infections. Uh, the science of the day was against him on it. And as a matter of fact, he wasn't even a doctor and he was saying these things. Um, and he, he was coming up with these vaccinations, but he was not allowed to administer them. Uh, the French National Academy of Medicine, uh, were condemning him because he, they're like, you're practicing medicine. You're not a doctor. And of course it was, uh, he had, he was careful not to do that. He was careful not to actually give the injections. Yeah, there was a a line that he, right, crossed, didn't cross uh, for legal purposes. But that was, the doctors of the day were against him. Now, they had an understanding of things and he challenged it and they wouldn't accept it. Now we've got, it's weird. We've got this body of scientists 
who have a way of understanding what's going on around us and almost feels like they ignore it don't doesn't it yeah it's like well wait a minute some of these things are blatantly obvious you know no other scientist before thought some of the things that you're saying and there's a lot of scientists now who are saying no you're wrong even though they have the consensus they refuse to even answer the objections what is it that holds them to this uh, anti-human uh, attitude? Is it the same kind of thing that kept uh, the scientists of past year's day or of Galileo's day from agreeing with them? You know, that, you know that's I, a- <clears throat> if he comes up and says, here, this is my theory, and maybe, you know, this is my proof of the theory, why would they reject that? And is it the right. same people? Is it the, for the same reasons that people are rejecting the theories of today that say, hey, you know, you guys are wrong. We're not causing global warming. Well, you know, I I kind of wonder, though, that, like in Galileo's day, let, let's just take that. Um, so there were people studying things. There were people who, who were interested in knowledge. Um, they wanted to understand the world, they wanted to understand the cosmos, they wanted to understand uh, how things worked because they saw it as a way of sort of better grasping um, the perfections of the mind of God and, and, and that kind of stuff. There was, there was a, uh, a sort of unified view that knowledge of all kind is good and is godly uh, yeah, okay. whether acquired through natural observations and natural means um, through uh, theoretical mathematical thinking um, or in other kinds of knowledge biblical studies theology uh, and, and that sort of thing so well, well, um, wait a minute here so so what I okay. often wonder is do these people the the people who are learning in that time who are going to uh, these universities that are popping up all over Europe, mostly run by the either the church or people from the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. um, is there some kind of practical application to what they're learning? Like in mathematics, do they take that and apply it to uh, structures and buildings to make them stronger or make them bigger and things like that? I think Did that those- exists. As much. Well, not as much. I think there were those who did. But uh, back then, the university was not a thing. Like like today, you're kind of expected to go to college. And if you don't go to community college, that means you're probably going to a university somewhere. And and the university is kind of a, a popular landing place after high school. Um, it wasn't like that back then. The... Um, in order to study at a, at a university back then, I think you kind of had to have a way of providing for yourself, which means you came from a rich family. Yeah. Uh, and so the universities were not for the purpose of training into job skills and things like that. They, they, okay. That, that kind the, the idea of a, of a, um, of a skill directed degree at a university didn't even exist back then. Okay, it was so, a place 
where the pers- the intention was the pursuit of knowledge. Okay, that, I mean, I mean, and that would make a huge difference. I mean, nowadays, um, a a company who wants to make a better product has to hire scientists to help them make that better product, and they get those scientists from the universities who are training them specifically to help that company make a better product. It's right. It's wrapped up the. Or the, they they sponsor research projects at the universities that are conducted by okay, university, yeah, there's that too. you know, postdocs and that kind of stuff um, into whatever, you know, materials science, electronics, you know, the, any number of things um, with the intent of commercializing the knowledge that comes out of the research. That's always at the heart of it nowadays. I mean, there's... There's science, there's things like, uh, there's practical science and then there's theoretical science. Like, we've got things like, uh, just chemistry, how to make better plastics. And that is, I would think it would be controlled by commercial forces. And then there's things like string theory that there's no real practical application here. Um, so the, well, you could even think, I mean, bring it a little bit closer. Um, there's chemistry, the, the chemistry of simply, uh, let's say biochemistry of simply understanding what happens within, uh, living organisms, living tissue, living cells Mm -hmm. and, and all of the various chemical reactions and and how they all support each other and and balance each other and that kind of there's a there's a tremendous amount of chemistry in there much of it we still don't really understand so there's mm-hmm. a lot of research just just for the sake of the knowledge of it but the pursuit of that knowledge also ends up if you know even if you have some people that are just pursuing it for the sake of deepening knowledge then there's okay wait a minute now that we understand this there's a way to apply this, and and then they find some way to apply it. So you, you mm-hmm. even without going as as esoteric as like string theory, you can see there's a distinction between just within chemistry, which was a good example, uh, between the pursuit of knowledge for the sake of knowledge and the pursuit of applied uh, knowledge. Yeah. But the one kind of precedes the other. There, there's the 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 underlying knowledge kind of suggests a potential application. And then you have researchers who go and actually research that particular application of a chemical process or a chemical principle or a biological process or whatever. Well, in something like uh, environmental science, um, there's no, there's no real application that can be demonstrated. I mean, uh. if, if environmental science was a worthy, uh, pursuit, then why aren't they turning deserts into grasslands? You because know? Because the monetization, the commercialization of environmental science doesn't rest in the direct application of environmental knowledge. It rests in the research itself. Um, People, okay. when it comes to environmental science, the game is to uh, acquire the research grants 
and the research money by making a case that there's a crisis that we need to know more about. Oh, if there's a crisis, then we better pay you a lot of money. If if the conclusions were all accepted that there's not really anything to see here, and even if there is, there's nothing we could do to affect it one way or the other, then there wouldn't be any money. There would be no more reason to research it, and nobody would get money for researching it. So we've so got, yeah, the, people like the, the EPA saying, we need to research this. Here's grant money. Tell us yeah. what we want to hear. The and and the EPA. I mean, the EPA ought to be satisfied with doing their what they were actually created for, which is local environmental uh, protection. Okay, we want to keep you from dumping toxic chemicals into the river because there were fishermen who rely on fish from the river and. If the fish all die or if they're carrying toxic chemicals, that's bad for people. Yeah. Uh, that's an EPA concern. Or you need to put scrubbers on your smokestacks because what happens is you fill your city up with, with dirty smoke. And then when you get a weather inversion over your city, it turns into smog and people can't breathe. That's an EPA yeah. thing. But that has nothing to do with climate and world environment and stuff like that. That's the EPA's scope should be fairly local and fairly limited like that. But and even then, if even it is, then, mm-hmm. they have uh, you know situations where it's like, okay, you're a dry cleaner, uh, you use a certain amount of chemicals. When you're done with that, you have to dump those chemicals somewhere. Um, I'll tell you what. You're going to have to, we're going to put these restrictions on you to where you have to have these chemicals tested before you can dump them. Now, we can't charge you for dumping them. We can't be in the business of accepting bad chemicals that you want to get rid of. What we can do is be in the business of charging you thousands of dollars to test every single barrel of chemical that you want to get rid of. Right. And they make an enormous amount of money doing that, and it re, it it stifles uh, smaller businesses because they just can't afford some of the gigantic fees that come from when when they have to dispose of waste, getting it tested. Oftentimes, even when it's just when it's when it's nothing, it's it's water that's a little bit dirty, but. Uh, the EPA gets their money from that. They go to the universities and say, uh, we need grants to show how this chemical is, or we need studies to show how this chemical is destroying the environment. And then we can continue collecting this money and we can continue giving you the grant money so that you can tell everyone and back up what we're saying. I, I see something like that easy to happen. Mm-hmm. If it's not happening, I imagine yeah. it is. Well, yeah. I've seen some of these things happen. So, yeah, that's, you know, and, but, you know, that's the thing. You take a, a government agency like the EPA and any government agency, the, the people in it, the people who run it, the people who are at the head of it. If, if anybody ever thinks otherwise, they're just an, a, a complete fool. Every single government agency wants a bigger role for itself than it has. Yeah. And how do you do that? You take whatever your scope of responsibility is and you work hard to make it look more important 
in the scheme of things than it actually is. That's how every single government agency works, period. No exceptions. There's not a single exception out there to that fact. Yeah. And when you've got a, you know, a, a country so bloated with agencies that uh, we're creating a worldwide uh, problem that that that's so far out of the scope of what they ought to be doing, as you were saying before, um, telling us there's this worldwide climate change problem that somehow the U.S. is going to fix. It gets kind or of... Or even the U.S. along with all the other countries. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. I mean... Well, you know, the, the thing is, like, like, I'm trying to think, like, see, that's, like, back, back to the, um, you know, the... Galileo, okay. Mm -hmm. I could imagine that there are people who were somewhat invested in, for example, models of the um, solar system. Yeah. That, you know, had the Earth at the center, blah, blah, blah. You had the planets, and then they had the theory of the epicycles of orbits and stuff like that. Um, and I could imagine that, okay, Galileo comes along and he says, you know what? I think that there's good reason to think that the sun's in the middle and the earth is, is, is one of among a number of other planets. And we all just kind of follow one path, no epicycles or mm -hmm. anything like that. Well, the people who were, who have been spending a lot of their time developing the necessary math, the necessary models, taking the necessary observations, it's like, wait a minute, in one fell swoop, you're making my life's work moot. Okay, well, they have kind of a personal reason to be against Galileo's work. They, they've they got yeah. investment in this. And furthermore, this is what they're asking, you know, the, the, the universities that they're at to continue to support them working on. And these universities, yeah. you know, that are funded by... Now, I don't think... It, it's not like the modern system where you apply for grant money to pursue a specific kind of study to determine a specific kind of, of uh, result or, or answer a particular question or something like that. I think they're more, you know, broadly funded. Okay. This, you know, a rich family might give X amount of dollars or X amount of whatever money they had yeah. to this university. And then this university has so many, um, whatever counted as professors at that time working for them and, and, and they go off and they do their own projects and they exchange letters and publish their papers and that kind of stuff. Um, I think it was a lot more loose in that sense that, so there, it wasn't like, mm -hmm. Oh, I'm going to lose my funding for my, um, my model of the solar system or anything like that. I think it had a lot more to do with just the people in, who had spent their life working on this, this math and, and the complexities right. and so on and so forth. Well, naturally, they're going to, wait a minute, you're, you're telling me that this stuff doesn't matter? All the um, stuff I've been teaching for years is yeah, wrong? Yeah, that's, and, and you know, the, and, and you can, I mean, you can kind of understand that point of view because right. they were coming from a model of science where you kind of took things at face value. Um I mean, they did have the concept of models in the sense of like, like Galileo, Galileo himself. Um, it, it's not like he was in some kind of battle for the truth 
that the sun was at the center of the solar system. Um, mostly what he taught is that, hey, this is kind of a cool model to understand the motion of planets. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and eventually, you know, he started thinking, you know, that it, it kind of makes sense more and more to consider this model to be a better representation of reality. And so they did have that yeah. concept of scientific models and being able to sort of trade off against them. But at the same time, they also had this idea of science as, okay, you, you develop your knowledge of how things work. You explore, you study, and you add to the increase of knowledge. I think today, um, or at least not in the last, you know, couple of decades, but, but coming up through the, you know, into the say, say 20th century, there was a yeah. lot more understanding of science as, okay, you know, these are just models and we keep using them and studying them until we find something that breaks the model. Then we got to come up with a new model and then we keep going from there. And so there's always this kind of expectation that things, things are going to turn over. And there's going to be a little bit of churn or whatever. Yeah. Um, but to, but back then they, they didn't quite have that. And so when you look at it face value, well, yeah, I mean, it looks like the Earth's kind of sitting still here. I, I don't feel like I'm moving anywhere. And I see, you know, the stars move around. And then there's these things that move a little bit differently from the stars. Okay, well, they're moving around the Earth in some way. Uh, the sun itself also. So when you sort of take the observation at face value and then start building your model from there, you can understand at least how they got to a point of being convinced in the Hold on a sort of Earth-centric model. Where is this? Right near buddy. Oh, okay. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> <laughs> My wife sees a picture and she has to stop me and show me a picture of a burning truck. Oh. I don't, is it, I don't know why. Is it burning right now? I, I don't even know. It, it's close <laughs> to where Buddy used to live. But it's oh, okay. not like we know anyone out there, but yeah, it was important that I see that picture. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, sorry to, let's see. Um, you know, so I was it, just saying it's, it's, it's a little bit forgivable in the Galileo case that the science it is more forgivable. Is sort of aligned against However, him. I, it seems like we went the other direction where it's like every single grad student out there is trying to find some kind of ground shaking theory that will challenge everything else never building off of what's already there it seems like that's a thing we want to come up with why all the things we learned up till now has been moot yeah but only in certain i mean in some ways yes i mean like like if you're talking about say cosmology sure he yeah he would love to do that or you know Somebody would love to dis- to discover, say, that cold fusion or um, yeah, cold fusion is real or you know whatever mm-hmm. I, the, you know. But it seems to me that there are also um, there are kind of like like rails or tracks that you have to be on. You call it a rut, a rut you have to be in mm-hmm. if you want to get funding for certain kinds of research. If you want to do research, if you want to do climate research, and you're exploring. Um, for example, reasons that, uh, say, we ought to be increasing our uh, carbon levels within the atmosphere of the Earth, and, and that the carbon level that we would all benefit if the carbon levels uh, 
say, doubled or tripled, you're probably not going to get funding Forget for it. that. So right. nobody's going to nobody's going to look into that. Not not because it isn't legitimate research, but because there is now a sort of politicization of science uh, that goes beyond just people sort of being protective about their personal work. It's now becoming um, kind of a um, there's an, an agenda there. driven. It, it, th- there's an agenda behind it. Yeah. Um, if, if you're not I guess with... Mm-hmm. What I'm wondering is, is that the same thing that existed in Louis Pasteur's time? Was there an agenda that needed to be protected at that time? Or was it just people were married to what they had been doing all along and poo-pooed new ideas because of what you described earlier? Or Yeah. That's, I, you know, I, I, I wonder know. I mean, that sometimes, and I've looked into it, and I've not really found anything to say either or. One way um, or the other, okay. I mean, you've got doctors all across France who are who have practiced a certain way their whole lives, and now you got this guy coming up saying, well, you, you got to wash your hands before you operate, and they're like, well, that's just silly. And yeah. uh, they weren't really that invested in not washing their hands – on the other hand, if if they start, man, I've I've lost, uh, you know, four hundred patients to infection, and I could have avoided most of them just by washing my hands. Nobody would want to admit that. Well, that's true. But there's a- there wasn't as much money, I imagine, because there's no money in not washing your hands. Of course, they did have uh, medicines for certain diseases that uh, Louis Pasteur was was saying that he was going to end, you know, uh, like anthrax. Mm-hmm. And they had, I imagine there was a little bit of an economy around anth- anthrax and uh, rabies and things like that, both of which he came up with a vaccine for. So I don't know because, you know, the, the I don't know what maybe the the how the funding model of science might have been different in the you know cuz Galileo who we talked about that was almost like 300 years before Louis Pasteur right right um Louis Pasteur was um i don't know 18 1883 is when he uh when he died when he uh came up with the vaccine on uh oh, okay. anthrax okay so like that's um that's like right in the part of the industrial revolution right i mean yeah yeah you know maybe a little bit later i don't know but but the thing is that it was a different world i don't know how science worked then okay uh compared to how it worked in say galileo's time um were there you know did science funding come from government then as largely as it does now so now you've yeah, got I don't... you know the I don't think it did because he, uh, aside from a lot of these things that he did, like he, he had gone to war and he had uh, sworn his family to keep his notes and all of his research a secret. Oh, okay. He did not want them to publish so his work. he's doing it on his own. He's doing it on his own, but he's coming up with treatments that he can yeah. sell. And he was accused oh. in one or two cases of uh, of uh, plagiarizing and of using other people's 
uh, science to create his own thing and or to claim it as his own. Uh, mm-hmm. For example, the uh, anthrax inoculation. Uh, there was a guy named Koch that uh, claimed that he that he was using his method, but um, so there, yeah, there was money around it. There was money that Pasteur could make from what he was doing. Was well, almost there, like an entrepreneurial model, though? Yeah, rather than yeah. A, okay, okay. My question is: Was there money? In not allowing him to do it. And I haven't seen anywhere there might be, which, um, you know, I, it's, it seems like maybe the world's in kind of a new condition that we, and this is unprecedented where there's a huge economy that surrounds science. And, uh, if, if the, if they're wrong, uh, they stand to lose a lot. And so how could anyone trust that situation? How can anyone look at what's being claimed in the, quote, scientific community today and say, oh, this must be right because it's proven by science? If Oh, when, when so you keep that in mind. stake for the science. Yeah. Why would you ever trust that? It's like just the amount of money at stake. Why doesn't that make everybody a skeptic? Right. And, and it seems like, I guess more and more there are people who are saying, oh, whoa, wait a minute, and starting to take a second look at this. But there's still it's just a huge amount of people who just swallow it wholly, and they say, well, it was in this scientific magazine, and we've got cases where people made up stuff and put it in these magazines, and 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 uh, it would be published as a peer-reviewed paper when, when it's garbage. it was – yeah, it was garbage from the start, and they knew it was garbage, and they put it in there just to uh, show people, hey, these papers are nonsense. These these magazines, these these peers that, quote, review everything, they don't really review it. Otherwise, they would have spotted how idiotic this is. Mm-hmm. So I – Yeah, that's – you know, that that's actually another um, – and I've, I've heard that the very concept of peer review um, – has become a problem in modern science. Yeah, because which peer and what do they have in it? And yeah, I mean, it's it kind of becomes a a uh, sort of a, a a religious reinforcement of the status quo of science. Yeah, um, so, almost like you know, a, you know it's, reasons... it's like the in, not not the Inquisition, the uh, the index of books or whatever. The forbidden index of books by the church. Oh yeah, nobody from, can know about the this science. You can only know the science that we let you know. Um, wh- one of the things that made me think of all this is, uh, do you know that guy? I don't even know his first name, but he he he's got a podcast called the the Corbett Report. No, did or you say Corvette, Corbett like the car? No, Corbett C O R B as in boy E T T. Oh, okay. Uh, he's, no. he's kind of a, he's a little bit of a, he's like a truther and he's a conspiracy theorist. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I don't think his, a lot of his theories are right. And he's, I certainly don't agree with his, uh, he's a libertarian. Um, but he hits on a lot of things because things like this, things with the climate control and, or climate change, you know, most of that as we've as we've talked about 
many times before, most of that goes back to abortion and the anti-human sentiment mm-hmm. in the yeah. scientific community today. And he recognizes that. So he happens to see a lot and talk about a lot. I just think he gets the, he comes up with the wrong conclusions. Yeah. Anyway, he was, uh, it, I mean, he's had close to 400 episodes, uh, and he was finally banned by, uh, YouTube. Oh, wow. So it, the, just for the episode, conclusions, (laughs) the last published episode was something called science says, Uh and he just talks about science in general and, and the, the, the way it's gotten so weird and, and the way it's, there seems to be, there's an obvious agenda here. And, and so when people say you're denying science, you're not denying science, you're just denying that agenda. But mm-hmm. uh, that was what got him kicked off of YouTube. Yeah. And uh, because of getting kicked off of YouTube, because of that episode, I just wanted to hear some more of his uh, podcasts. So oh, I started yeah. listening to him on Apple Podcasts. This is maybe a month or two after he's been kicked off of YouTube. Mm-hmm. And then he disappears from Apple Podcasts. Oh, wow. So like they like wiped all his podcasts out, huh? Yeah, they they're really trying to. I that you could still find them. I think I got them on. Uh, That's weird. Why would they Stretcher I mean, or Stitcher? I got them on mm-hmm. Stitcher. I'm okay. still listening to them, but it's just why was this the episode that caused him to disappear? Anytime from the anytime the the mainstream media or uh, nowadays you know social media tries to squelch something, I think, it's, well, there must be something here. It's because there's, there's something, be something there here. that's worth hearing. There's there's some there's some yeah. bit of truth there that they're trying to keep people from latching on to. That's and I that's again I almost yeah. axiomatic today. I don't agree with most of the things that he thinks and says, but mm-hmm. there's gotta be something here. Why why would they care if he said it if uh if there wasn't something there? I mean why not just ignore him the way they always did before? Because he's yeah, got all like, kinds oh, of, you know, nine nine eleven theories and like stuff like that. Suddenly he said something that that is that happens to be true, that a bunch of people started latching onto and listening to, and right that the establishment community doesn't want people paying attention to for whatever reason. Right. Now he in that podcast he talks about a book called The Structure of Scientific Revolutions by Thomas Kuhn, uh, K-U-H-N. Okay. Um, and I, I got the book and I, I mean, all of this happened in the last week, uh, me discovering oh, this. So you haven't and read it yet. So yeah, I haven't even begun reading it yet, but I, I, some of the stuff he went over in the podcast caught my ear and it, mm-hmm. this guy, Thomas Kuhn, he was interested in the history of science and, yeah. and how there were movements within this industry or within this, uh, this understanding. Mm-hmm. But I think probably, I mean, that was originally published in 1962. Oh. Probably the guy that probably doesn't have a whole lot of bearing on what's happening today because of what we've been talking about, this weird economy surrounding science. Yeah, I just turned it off and on a couple of times. My dang uh, thermostat is broken. You got to do it oh. a couple of times sometimes. 
Is it one of those like like digital like you got to plug into it kind of thing? Yeah, it's come on. There we go. It's a bad time for it to you turn gotta, off. You got to smack it. <laughs> yeah, seventy six degrees. Here's Maybe what like... happens. <laughs> Maybe I had to get a new thermostat. Uh, it's a <laughs> digital thermostat. <laughs> It's digital, so you see the numbers on the front, and you go the buttons up and down. Yeah. And every now and then, the screen will go blank. Well, whatever mode the furnace was in when that screen went blank, it stays in that mode. Oh, heating or if the AC is running, okay. Or if or, or if everything's off. Mm-hmm. So if everything's off when it goes blank, it gets cold. If the furnace was actually blowing fire when it turned off it's gonna stay now the heat it just gets hotter and hotter so uh okay we have it set at 69 and it's 76 degrees in here i don't know why i didn't i was comfortable but <laughs> <laughs> so here's the question does it go blank on its own just whenever yeah. or is it always when somebody's messing with it no it, it it does it on its own when nobody's looking at it that's bad because yeah. that could happen, like, right as everybody's going to bed. Yeah, but we would wake up, and look, my household is weird. There are people up. There's All never the time. a time when everyone's asleep. <laughs> Somebody will get uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, and, and that too. Even if I'm in bed, if I wake up sweaty, I'm like, oh, man, what the hell? Yeah. And I'll go down and check. But uh it's bad either way, and you're right. I should have already replaced it, but I keep not doing it. Instead, I go over and I, I tap on it or flick it or turn it off and on, and then it works again for another couple weeks. You're like one of those old scientists stuck in a rut. Yeah, we're, I'm stuck on this <laughs> this thermostat that I replaced a couple years ago. I figure it should last more than a couple years. And yeah, thermostat should I last refuse, more than a couple of years. <laughs> I refuse to accept the fact that it's broken and <laughs> needs to be replaced again. I'm going to hold on to it. So you'd fit right in in the modern science community. <laughs> yeah, I would. So Structure of Scientific Revolutions, it looks like an interesting book. I do plan to read it, but I don't think it has a whole lot of bearing on what's going on right now in the scientific community. Well, did the guy on his podcast somehow relate it to what's going on right now, or was it just kind of he just talked about the book? He talked about what it was that would eventually cause a scientific revolution where they're like okay we need we need to actually change these things and and the fact that it took a lot to have it took a lot of not being able to explain things with the old and being able to explain things with the new before they would actually change oh okay so the the inertia of science in other words like right. the Galileo problem, like the Louis Pasteur problem. Right. So, but in this case, it's, it's very specifically, it's not that people can't see the truth. It's that they want to stop the truth. Yeah. And I guess that's what goes like aligned against it for some reason. In Galileo's day, were there people who looked at his model and said, that is a better model? As a matter of fact, that's probably exactly how it happens. But and understood that. Yeah. <laughs> did that ever happen? I that's don't a think good it did. Question. I, I don't think so either. I, I think there is a sense 
there is a, a way in which we're kind of in a unique uh, position today with regards to science, historically. Well, that's rare. You usually don't like the coffee hot. Well, I, I get it to where there's like maybe four or five tablespoons of coffee left, and by then it's cold. So uh, I go yeah. pour fresh in to heat it up. Um, I don't like it cold. I just don't like yeah. it scalding. I don't like it super hot piping. Um, yeah. So anyway, I, and that was what got me to thinking about maybe we ought to talk about this because it's, it's well, so not, you, odd. Now you've got me interested and, in the book because now I want to read the book too and I want to do a book review on it on one of our okay. podcasts. I cannot figure out, uh, how to make it a Catholic subject. <laughs> no, I can't figure out how to copy it and send it to you. Oh, I can get my own, unless it's like rare. Oh, okay. I don't know. It's not rare. You can get it. You can get okay. the ebook. Yeah, I might do that. So, um, and normally I would copy the ebook and just send it to you, but every now and then one comes out that I'm unable to copy and send to someone. Okay. I see what you mean. Yeah. You know whose book is like that? Uh, Timothy Gordon's The Case for Patriarchy. Oh, really? I just had, I got that for Christmas, just the physical book. Have you read the whole thing yet? I haven't even cracked it yet. I oh, read okay. his Catholic I, Republic. I read the first chapter. And I liked it. Okay. Um, hold on. The thing is, I know that there are, quote, scientists out there today who really do buy into all this stuff. And I, and then there are people who I don't. And it's possible that it's even the majority of them who, who buy into it. Honestly, you think I, I said it's possible, you know, it maybe, maybe not. But what I, what I am convinced of is that there's a significant number who either know it's uh, a bunch of Bosch or who don't care. Yeah. And and to in their minds the science isn't about reality, it's just about providing the right narrative and this is what does that and that's why they pursue it. Whether it's environmentalism, whether it's masks, vaccines, whatever. Yeah. I the I I see this kind of pseudoscience coming out and um I don't know. I, I, at, at one time I'm, I'm looking at these people thinking you, you went through school. You have to have <laughs> some kind of have a modicum of brain ability to think here. Yeah. Why aren't, why is it? And a lot of time. Okay. Here's what these people remind me of. Um, in the movie Scanner Darkly, um, mm -hmm. Barris, the character Barris played by, uh, Robert Downey Jr., um, Actually, I can't remember I what's in the was, movie I didn't know and what's in, in the book. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was excellent. Cool. Actually, okay. every actor in that movie was excellent. Was, but, yeah, they, um, it was kind of an all-star cast, wasn't it? Yeah. And, uh, also, I, I got the, I got the DVD and I listened to the, uh, there's a director's commentary with, I, one of the directors, uh, Keanu Reeves, and the daughter of Philip K. Dick. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. It was a real interest. It would, I I don't well, know why I like listening to commentaries. I I love listening to them when I can get them. <laughs> but uh, this one was really good. 
Um, anyway, I can't remember what's in the movie and what's in the book, but so I'm just going to, let's just put it out. If there. you watch the movie and, and you're like, he didn't say that it's because I <laughs> can't remember what's in the movie and the book. Um, do both in anyway. the movie slash book Barris. It looks like he's trying to, uh, kind of, uh, scam his friend and he tells him he's going to create a pure gram of cocaine out of this uh sunburn lotion but i i know it looks that way in the movie in the book you get a little bit of a better explanation out of it um and he says that the the scientific name for cocaine is xylocaine that's the that's the fact that isn't a fact that he globs onto and out of that, he deduces that he can get a gram of cocaine out of this this uh, sunburn lotion and then use it as cocaine. Huh. And he's uh, you know he sprays it all into a into a bag and he says, "See, for three dollars, we can get a whole gram of cocaine." Um, and the the character Freck, who plays kind of an idiot, is like, "Well, if." If if they've got a whole gram of cocaine in that can there, how can they afford to sell it for $3? And despite this huge glaring fact that would seem to make Barris's point... Uh, it blow it out of the water. That would seem to... Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. uh, he just kind of goes right on. He doesn't even stop. The, he says, well, they buy, they buy in bulk. You know, <laughs> that's his explanation. That, that sounds like the modern science community and the yeah, modern medical and it's like, community. Wait a minute. You can't just say that and then go on. I mean, this is a serious objection. Even if cocaine is actually called xylocaine in the scientific community, uh, there's still a problem here. None of this makes sense. And it's just, yeah, that's, that's how they act. And it's, and, and, and then you're vilified for calling any of this stuff into question, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, that's a good point. That, that's exactly how they act. Yeah. By the way, uh, the movie is, uh, it's animated, but it's rated R for good reason. There's yeah, you a lot of nudity in it. Um, right. And, uh, I actually, I edited my version of it to yeah, cut out all the nudity. You kind of don't need. Uh, yeah. The- right. Actually, you know, it was difficult because some of the parts with nudity, you kind of do need, but I did a pretty good job of editing it out. I think, okay. and you could find it if you went to the Pirate Bay and searched for "scanner darkly edited." Oh, okay, yeah. So that's or, or maybe it's censored, censored or edited. I can't remember. Anyway, you sure you uh, want to put that on our podcast because, like, I, what are they going to do? How? You got to well, prove something. Well, I but you just admitted to it, and so they say, "Oh, okay." So for every every like like imputed download from the pirate bay we're going to charge you so much they have no way of telling how often it's downloaded okay i don't know i you know what i, I it's not go. like it's got a whole lot of download it's That's not true. like a whole lot of people want to download the scanner darkly yeah, edited, edited version, version anyway yeah or schindler's list or the gods must be crazy or the other ones that i have on there anyway right. um yeah, that's so. That's what got me to thinking about all this, and I guess we've I guess we've talked out that uh, uh, subject for now. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, uh, you know, that I, I think that's kind of, um, I think that's important for people to realize though, that, that there is unlike, um, corporate sponsored science where the money is in the applicability of it, the application it's okay, fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go do your science, but I want to know how I can monetize it. I want to know what product I can build with it that's going to make me money. Oh, you're doing science into chemistry? Show me how to build a better battery, okay? Yeah. That's what you get in the corporate world. But when you have government-sponsored science where you have political people in charge of the money, which I don't mean – Hire, you know, like elected politicians necessarily, but no, let's face that's it, just the, pe- it. They're the not people elected. who head um, government agencies, they are political people who are not elected. They're still political. Like Fauci. And they still have a political agenda. And when yeah. that's controlling the money that goes into science, science itself is politicized. And so you've got big money behind certain kinds of science, not in terms of the topics, but in terms of the conclusions that they draw, well, there's every reason to be skeptical of the modern scientific community and what they're saying. And this gets especially scary with medicine. Yeah, because Because... medicine is where science begins to acquire the rule, you know, the the power of law. Oh, well, let's take the science, let's call it medicine, and then based on medicine, let's use the government's uh, right to to uh, make public health decisions to create laws that control people. Yeah, see, it, and it it can't be tested as well. If I if I come to you and say, build me a better battery, and you do a bunch of research and say, look, if we do this, our batteries will last twice as long. Okay, well, let so me just I go grab an advertise that and grab your battery and yeah. stick them in the same bunny rabbit. <laughs> well, <laughs> even if I mean, even if even if you lied and I know you lied, I'll put it out there and people will be like, "Well, this ain't work. This doesn't work. Work worth a crap." I'm not yeah, buying that again. You lose money, and you lose money, and it's that's what happens. But with medicine, I can say this will keep you from getting the disease. And then you say, all right, it's now a law that you have to take this medicine. Whether it keeps you from getting the disease or not, the law's still there. And so what happens? Uh, we got companies making billions of dollars off of pseudoscience that yeah. can't be argued with or questioned because then you're a science denier. Uh, like last week when we talked about the V2 deniers. Now you're mm-hmm. a science or a vaccine denier, and it's like, well, I'm not any of those things. I just question <laughs> what you guys are doing here and making yeah, all this I... money. <laughs> I'm a politics den- denier. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> I'm a narrative denier. That's what I am. Yeah. So that's, uh, I guess that's about all I got to say. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll, I'll 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 kick in a little. I'm going to say this, and and put it out there, and we might decide not to include it in the podcast. But okay, you, you know, my sister-in-law recently passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, so she had, you know, whatever stage. I don't know the stages. Let's call it end stage kidney disease. Her kidneys were, yeah. for the most part, not working. She was supposed to be going to dialysis. She was one of those 
personalities that kind of wanted to do her own thing and 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 you know she would sometimes skip dialysis and whatever but but the point is getting to dialysis is a pain and and it's annoying um you got to go three times a week at, at her stage of the disease Jeez. yeah and it's ours so is it is it, it like is it, it sucks uncomfortable the way uh chemo is is it what uncomfortable the way chemo is I don't know if it's quite uncomfortable that way, but it, it does cause like cramps and stuff like that because they're removing fluids from your body and they might like okay. take a liter of, of water off of your body when they do it or whatever. Yeah. So anyway, she, she came down with COVID and because she had COVID, um, she, the, the, the dialysis place that she normally went to wouldn't take her because they don't have an isolation area. But oh the other gosh. dialysis place does, but it's further away, and she couldn't get a ride there. Oh. Um, now it was it was kind of um, it was kind of awkward um, because normally it would be like, well, okay, I'll take you there. But it was also at a time when my wife was getting ready to go like on a uh, like a two week stint of work that. Yeah. She would be like, if she had gotten, you know, exposed or gotten it or whatever like that, it was at the timing where we had to make sure that she was able to go off and do this work. So we couldn't take her, but she could go to the hospital and get her dialysis at the hospital. And that's what she did. Yeah. But, but here's the thing that happened. Um, while she was at the hospital, that's when she went through the main symptoms of COVID. Yeah. Those symptoms were so painful that after they got over and then it's like, okay, now it's time to talk about getting you back into rehab during rehab. We'll get you to dialysis. Once you're able to, you know, do certain things on your own, go to the bathroom, get dressed, that kind of stuff. You can go home. But because of how painful the COVID thing was. It kind of, um, how can I say this? It exhausted her will to to keep fighting. And she said, yeah. you know what? I'm just going to stop doing dialysis. Now, it's tragic that it went that way. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. They, what she died of was kidney disease. Yeah. She made some what might be considered tragic decisions because of the COVID that she experienced and that kind of stuff. But... There's a very real possibility that I, I, my wife, my wife and her sister, whatever, the estate, basically, mm-hmm. will be able to collect $9,000 from the government by making the case that because of the COVID, she made the decision to stop the dialysis and therefore her death was a COVID-related death. My now, goodness. think about that. The government is paying people to make stretch arguments to say that deaths are COVID-related deaths. Yeah. That's how stupid it is. How nuts it is. And that's why people should not be trusting scientists, health officials, government numbers, or anything like that when it comes to modern real-world problems. Yeah. Especially medical-related. You know, uh, one of the other podcast that i've started listening to recently is uh informed informed dissent Mm -hmm. i can't even remember the guy's name uh he's a doctor who does this podcast it's good 
And I started listening to it kind of late. So there were like uh, more than a hundred episodes I hadn't heard. So I just went back to the beginning and started there. Yeah. And then recently when Apple dropped the Corbett report, I switched uh, podcast programs to Stitcher. Right. And when that happened, I just kind of jumped up to the more modern ones because I, I got tired oh, right. of listening it, to old of news. To, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Because so, things that uh, are timely like that. Yeah. Anyway, this guy, uh, this guy's really worth listening to. And he talks about the, the, uh, the fear that people are living under and the way it's being, it's just, the way it's not real. It's not a, it's, it's a real fear, mm-hmm. but there's nothing really to be afraid of. And it's being furthered on by the media and by the government. Yeah. And it's being used to control people and to make them do stupid, crazy things. Uh, I just, I wanted to plug that for them because it, well, it's a really good podcast. What's the name of it? Informed Dissent? Yes. Like Dissent I'm dissenting into Dissenting from, uh, yeah. D-I-S-S-E-N-T. Oh, dissent, like a dissenting opinion. Okay, informed dissent. Okay. Right. Uh, It's two guys who, uh, one's a psychologist or psychiatrist. No, he's a psychologist. Psychologist. And the other's like a kid's dying. I don't know what they are. They're good, though. You'll, I don't know. (laughs) All right. Um, So, informed dissent. Anyway, I guess, yeah. And what, do do you know the name of the podcast of the other guy, the, 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 Kind of kooky guy. Oh, the Corbett Report. C O R B E T T Report. Okay, so his and, name must be Corbett. Yeah. So he, uh, I think it's James Corbett. Um, he was on YouTube. He had something like four hundred plus videos, mm-hmm. and then they kicked him off that, and he's no longer on Apple now. So I started using Stitcher. That's interesting. We're on Stitcher too, too. Popular or something? I, I don't know. I mean. I don't know. It's hmm. it's it's kind of weird. Because, you know, um, those places, they don't shut down people that aren't popular. Yeah. Like, we would never get shut down unless... No matter what we I mean, We can say anything we want, and we wouldn't get yeah, shut I down. Yeah, I can deny all kinds of stuff, and I wouldn't... There's not enough listeners to shut us down. But he had, uh, he had like, 400,000 subscribers. Okay. Maybe 500,000 well, subscribers. Chunk. Yeah. That's a chunk. So, uh, I don't know. I don't know why... He suddenly got shut off at that episode. Yeah. So, because under their rules, they could have shut him down a long time ago. Right. And he's been popular for a while, or at least with, with, with the conspiracy theorists and the truth seekers and really just with anyone who just wants a different view of things, you know. Right. Hmm. I might have to go give him a listen sometime. Yeah, he's kind of... It's, it's kooky, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. When you spend as much time as I do in the car, uh, you just, you gotta have a different kind of thing to listen to. You, yeah. you gotta, you gotta find different kinds of things to listen to. It's just, uh, otherwise you fall asleep. Speaking of podcasts, uh, okay, this podcast that we're recording right now is, uh, episode number 99. Oh, wow. We're almost at episode so, 100. Yeah, next week will be our 100th episode. Gosh, I had no idea we actually did that many episodes. Yeah, I know. It's it's funny the number of uh, subjects that we've talked about. Okay. 
So uh, next week is going to be pretty cool. That's right. I know. I wish Pope I could Francis, think of something taxes, cool to make it cool, but yeah. Tax evasion. Pope Francis and tax evasion. <laughs> is it a mortal evasion. sin? <laughs> yeah. Or is it a sin at all? Yeah. Is 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 there even a sin to it? I mean, because we talked about uh, copyright infringement, and our our feeling was that it's really not a sin. Yeah, not inherently. To the extent that it's a sin, it's a sin by way of being a violation of law, but not otherwise. Right. Right. Okay, um, news. Uh, we got we got all this stuff going on in Ukraine and Russia. Yeah. And you know, you mentioned last week. What if what if this is uh, Biden's way of of having his own war? You know, to yeah. to well, kind of rally people around him. Right. I, and I mean, and I presidents want wars. Yeah. Uh, FDR. I didn't. I I was like like. Chomping at the bit to get into World War II. Um, yeah, but there was a, there wasn't a bad reason for that, you know. Well, at the I same mean, time, I'm, what if Germany had won instead of Russia? Well, I'm not, I'm not. I don't know. I'm not saying one way or the other whether we should have. I'm just saying that as a president, FDR, like he was yeah. like so eager for that. Um, yeah. The the second George Bush. Was like you know he wanted to oh, yeah. ride the the you know he wanted his war and and you know of course nine eleven happened but then it's like okay Afghanistan yeah Al Qaeda oh wait a minute you know what I can go finish the job my dad started in Iraq and he went that way kind of I don't I don't know about that now uh, I think you might be right but you know Rush Limbaugh had an interesting theory on all this. Um, George Bush didn't do anything that we didn't want him to do or that most of the Democrats didn't want him to do. He didn't do... He's the one who everybody blames for lying about weapons of mass destruction. But he had all the same intel that everyone else had who signed up for the same war. Yeah. So what if it the entire thing from beginning to end was the intelligence community fooling him into attacking because they wanted the war they wanted the war and they wanted to make him look like an idiot for doing it oh because they they did i mean nobody ever says well how did the fbi and the cia get this so wrong instead they say how did george bush get this so wrong oh yeah because he relies on intelligence from the agencies it's not like they yeah out there here's the thing if they weren't against him If the FBI and the CIA were saying, no, 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 there weren't, there, there are no weapons. You shouldn't be going there. Then shortly after he pulled the trigger and went in, perhaps even before, but at least shortly after, if they were saying that to them, they would be coming out and saying there would be somebody leaking. No, no, no. We we knew, we told them there were none. We would know. They would tell us, but they didn't tell us that. That's a good point. It was, it was their intelligence that made... I don't know. You know what? We're off subject now. Okay. Uh, after you said that, it's just little things start to jump out at me. And I'm wondering, what, what if this is all Biden or Biden's handlers or whoever the hell is in charge up there uh, making this happen? Because... To try uh, to keep the party in line yeah. for... 
but see, the thing is, 2024. I, I, I guess yeah, I know, it, but it's it's not just that's a ways off. America is what I'm, and it's not just the party. It's uh, kind of the whole world. Look, of all the people that we're gonna fight, it's gonna be Russia, whom we've avoided fighting for sixty plus years. That's insane. That's, that's such a yeah. big thing. That's absolutely and, insane. And over Ukraine, which they've been back. And here's the thing. Like half of Ukraine wants to join Russia. Yeah, it's there's an like, internal battle there. That, yeah, Ukraine is. It, I mean, to the extent that there would be a war, um, there's a large degree to which it would be a civil war. Right. Yeah, it wouldn't just be a Russia invading Ukraine. It wouldn't it would be, be like Russia a, like coming a, into like a Soviet Union style, you know, occupation kind of thing. Right. Yeah, it wouldn't be an occupation. Um, so there's that. And then, um, let's see, the, the Russian foreign minister says that Russia is not interested in starting a war after Biden had warned, uh, Ukraine in, in like a, like some kind of public, I don't know if it was a phone call or what, but, uh, he had warned that Russia might invade Ukraine in this February. Oh, okay. And so this Russian minister is like, we have no interest in invading Ukraine. And then, uh, let's see, uh, Putin accused the U.S. of trying to draw them into a war and using uh, Ukraine as a pretext to impose more sanctions uh, on them. And, you know, we got... We know that Ukraine was a pretty darn corrupt place. Now, there was a new president that that Trump had spoken to who was supposed to be trying to clean that up, but I kind of doubt that he really did clean it up. It's probably just as corrupt as it always was. Yeah, and that kind of calls into question the wisdom of considering, because this was something that came up back, back during the Trump you know, administration. Yeah. Uh, admitting Ukraine, for example, into NATO and stuff like that. Right. Which is another thing that Russia is uh, uh, complaining about. They don't want mm-hmm. Ukraine to be part of NATO, which is understandable if they eventually want to take them over. But like I said, a lot of people in Ukraine want Russia. Yeah. And maybe it's because their own, uh, you know, like local governments ha- are so corrupt that they just want some relief from that. Yeah, maybe and they, they figure imagine Russia will that do it that. Would be less less corrupt under Russian rule. <laughs> yeah, they don't understand. But they might. They, you could see how they might think it would be. Yeah, yeah. Um, France is going to dis- uh, deploy several hundred troops to Romania uh, in order to support the eastern flank there with tensions with Russia. I don't. I don't know why Romania. I don't. I can't see a map, so I don't know what that looks like. But we're everybody's sending troops there. Um, so there is a residential area near um, in Ukraine, which is mostly Russian-speaking people and people who are for Russia taking over, mm-hmm. and uh, they're accusing. Ukraine of deploying all kinds of anti-aircraft missile systems there in this like majority residential area um, to fight supposedly a drone. 
Oh. Uh, there was also a pro-Russian insurgent on the front line in Donbas. Uh, Donbas apparent is is a it's like an area that's kind of divided. Half is and geographically there it's divided with half of them wanting Russia and the other half wanting independence from Russia. And so there was a little bit of a scuffle there, and the Ukraine Air Force uh, drove a drone in to kill some people. Um, let's see, Pentagon Press Secretary John Kirby announced that the Pentagon will deploy 3,000 troops to Eastern Europe uh, in order to, to get ready for a Russian invasion. Uh, look, it's... It's not as easy as people might think. Russia invading um, Ukraine, and yeah, as, as no. you pointed out, this this would also be a civil war, not just Russia coming in and occupying. So uh, I can see how maybe Biden, who doesn't give a darn for the United States of America, uh, might be thinking, well, yeah, this is a good way to get into a war and. Uh, raise support and not th- I, d- I don't think anyone would support him for doing this I think I, I would hope most of America would be like this guy's an idiot yeah. I can't believe he's doing this <laughs> we've avoided war with these people for how many decades now and you come in and get us into a war over this stupid little country that, yeah that, and with good reason I mean heaven's sake yeah. Russia yeah they're I mean, I, I, you know, it's said that there, it's a uh, third world country with a first world military. Mm-hmm. Uh, either way, they've got that military, and it's not something we want to go up against, especially in a country that isn't part. Of, it's, it's not even a part of. We have no. Uh, we shouldn't have any kind of loyalty to this country. They're not American in any way, and they don't do anything. For they don't. Ha- yeah, there's, there's not a compelling American interest in an alliance there. It's it's less it makes less sense than Vietnam did. Yeah. Yeah, I okay. mean there there was a perhaps compelling American interest in sort of blocking the the kind of onslaught of of communist takeover Communism, under yeah. the Soviet bloc and then um and then in the Far East um by China, but but in this case, it's not that kind of a situation, right? Yeah, and it's uh, they're fight the Ukrainians and the the uh, the Russian loyalists are fighting amongst themselves uh, with weapons constantly, right? And they've been doing so for years now. So to act like we're going to come in and just defend Ukraine from Russia is just it's a it's an idiotic way of, of thinking about this, mm-hmm. and I just I hope it I hope this doesn't turn into a war. It's going to be so messy, or it'll be us just sending troops over and having them die, and occasionally having a parade for them, and yeah. that'll be it. Maybe it won't really be a war. It'll be more like the Afghanistan war. Not that see, I'm making it sound cheap. Like the people who died in the Afghanistan war. Are, are somehow less of soldiers. You know, they, they do their jobs and they're brave warriors. But the war on a whole, I, I don't think we ever intended to win it. No. Uh, I think that's kind of been recognized. Yeah. 
Um, so I guess China Unicorn is a telecommunications company uh, who were going to set up services in the United States. Uh, the Federal Communications Commission voted unanimously to revoke that authorization. So they've got to be out of here uh, within the next 60 days. Well, good. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad they see something. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, there was a big convoy in uh, Ottawa, Ontario, Canada to uh, protest the vaccine mandates. And it, it was basically all the truckers lining up on the highway. Um, apparently, it was pretty big. Wow. And it's so getting a lot of. There publicity. are some Canucks with some common sense up there. <laughs> yeah. They're not all well. That's good. Uh, obedient idiots. So North uh, Korea launches a intermediate range ballistic missile. Oh, from uh, like as a Chagang. test or what? So it it reached an altitude of uh, two thousand kilometers before landing in the Sea of Japan. Okay. I don't know if that's successful. I bet it or was not. a test. I bet it was a test. Uh, yeah. So it was North Korea's first launch since 2017. Of a ballistic and missile. Okay. Yeah. Or from that range of ballistic missiles. Yeah. Um, uh, Cincinnati Bengals won their game. They're in the Super Bowl. <laughs> They're going to play the Kansas City uh, Chiefs. So, well, finally, they'll be playing somebody other than, than San Francisco. The you know, I, I remember because yeah. 82... Uh, they went up against San Francisco, and I remember that guy. I, I watched it with our dad, uh, and I was yeah, so I disappointed that they lost. Um, then seven years later, they went up against San Francisco again, and they yeah. lost again. Yeah, that was. Remember that game? That was the one where he broke his leg. That one guy, like, no, broke I his don't. leg the wrong way. No, I don't remember that. Yeah, I, I don't even remember who it was. I just know okay. that there was a tackle and the guy's he, leg, leg, you could see it. Like flopping the, around? Yeah. Yeah, it went the wrong way. That. and It was, oh, wow, it was pretty gruesome. Yeah. Um, anyway, so they're going to play February 13th. Uh, where, where are they set, playing? Uh, SoFi Stadium. I don't know where that is. Uh, I think that's in California. Um which means it's going to be pretty warm. I don't know. Um, you know, we're used to playing in the cold. <laughs> so yeah. I, that's going to be tough, you know. Uh, let's see. 23 people are killed in landslides in Ecuador. There's also Ooh, flash wow. flooding and landslides in uh, somewhere in Brazil, the state of Sao Paulo. Uh, more than, I think... 50 people have died in those. Man. So, you know, I mean, we get to these rainy seasons and it just Yeah, but I mean, you think they'd of, be kind of ready for them, I guess. Is, is it I mean, is it unusual? I don't I don't think it is. I think it's like well, probably not for as many people to die, but um you know, look, okay, let's say you're farming community and the rains are coming, you know they're coming. You've got hillsides where you've got you know, crops set up, and it's like you're trying to say keep waterways clear so that the land can drain. Uh, set up, set up supports or sandbag systems to keep flooding from heading certain directions. I imagine people do that, and, and people probably it's end probably up, dangerous work. Yeah, 
that you know? end up dying every and, year because of it. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So over 60 people are killed in a mass stabbing a mass? at a camp for stabbing. 60 uh, people? I guess they're using machetes. Uh, in the These are internally displaced people, which is really, they're just refugees. It's just they haven't left the country oh, okay. of Congo. In the Republic of in the Republic of Congo, and I guess like the gang who is part of a uh, you know a military fight there came in and just started killing a bunch of them with like wow. machetes. Uh, it's called uh, what is it? I'm looking for a Cooperative for Development of the Congo is the name of the group. Who did the killing? Yeah. Oh, I just. I don't know what to say about that. Yeah. It's terrible. Oh, man. Why that's, would you kill those people? I mean, that, that of all the people, you'd think if you were running some kind of military operation, you'd think you'd want the people to on want you there. Yeah. And to just go in and kill them doesn't make any sense. People are animals. Um, there were about 4,000 people living in this camp. Uh, so 60 out of, I, I guess, I don't know if they were able to kill off the killers or did they, they drive them out at some point? Yeah, but that's insane. Uh, CNN President Jeff Zucker resigns for failing to disclose that he was in a relationship with the network's uh, vice president. So he was having a thing with the vice president or executive vice president, um, and he was keeping it secret, and the relationship was discovered... During the investigation into the network's former anchor, Chris Cuomo. So they were investigating Chris Cuomo. Is he... Is he... He's the one uh, that... Fredo? Yeah. Huh? Okay. Rush Limbaugh called it, always called him Fredo Cuomo because he's like the younger brother. Of the... Yeah. Um, right. <clears throat> so they were investigating him and they found this other thing going on with Jeff Zucker. And I don't know what the vice president's name was, but... I guess some. I guess it was a girl. Hopefully, you know what it doesn't say here. If it was a guy, he wouldn't have resigned. Yeah, that's true. He would have been celebrated. Um, so, twenty people die and seventy-four are hospitalized in Argentina when they consumed cocaine laced with poison. Huh. Uh, nine people are arrested because of this, but that seems. How, why would you think you're going to get away with... And how did 20 people die? I mean, didn't the first person be like, hey, this is poisonous? Well, they, I mean, were they the... I like, mean, they would have had to have sold all that cocaine. Were they in a group? That, that's that, the thing. So, it's, I mean, 20 people, if it's if they're all in a group, yeah, why... why, why no, uh, I don't know, think so. Unless they were all doing it together, and it's like a slower-acting poison, and they didn't discover until they yeah. were dead... But if it's not in one group, if it's kind of distributed, why only 20 people then? Yeah. Well, because it's not like are hospitalized. You know, it's not like they have like so more like a hundred people. Like things set up, like uh, you know, like like when when you find, you know, bad meat Beans or something, or something like that. Yeah. It's, it's like oh, okay, suddenly the the alert goes that everybody who who got meat from this source. You need to dump it because we found out there's, I don't know, botulism or whatever. You know. So you, you, you don't yeah. have that when it comes to the drug trade. <laughs> I guess, you know, if you're a dealer and you're dealing cocaine and it's like, okay, I got, I sold 
to 20 people today and at the end of the day you get a call from one of them said hey i think this stuff is bad and i don't know well that could well, be and it's like okay wait a minute whoever handed me this stuff i gotta go uh uh you know t- take it up with him and and make him pay because uh, yeah libertarians would use this as a excuse to legalize all drugs so that they could be properly just let it be unregulated uh, regulated by the market yeah, yeah. <laughs> or regulated uh, by the, the government which right. is anti-libertarian if you think about it yeah in the end the argument doesn't make any sense at all but um yeah that's all the news i got okay well i got a few things uh first um you know you've got the whole message in a bottle thing usually you expect it to be in the sea, washes up on shore, that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah. in uh, Scotland, they found one at a golf course that they were renovating. Uh, the Golf um, House Club in, I don't know how to say the name of the, the city, Ili, Ili, it's spelled E-L-I-E, Ilie, I don't know. Okay. Established in 1875, it said workers were making improvements to the fairway bunkers on the ninth hole when they found a bottle buried in one of the hazards. A hazard is like a, uh, a part of a golf a course, pit. like a sand trap or, you know, something okay. like that, a water or whatever, where it's kind of hard to get, get your, your ball out yeah. of. Anyway, they looked inside the bottle. They found a message written on the back of a cigarette package. The message was dated November 18th, 1926. Huh. And it said, "We are here today, but where will we be when this is found? We do not look. We do not know. Good luck." Um, the officials looked into records and determined that the three men who signed the note—T. Donaldson, D. King, and W. Eason—were employees at the facility in the 1920s. They're going to bury the message back in the bottle in the same way and the same spot that it was uh, found once their work is completed. <laughs> so, I don't know. <laughs> I you guess know, if I ever have a time capsule. <laughs> yeah, if I ever did something like that, I would try to make it more compelling. You know, I would, <clears throat> I would like act like there's a big mystery involved here that would make everybody want to search and <laughs> keep digging. Maybe up. they were just <laughs> yeah, it's some kind of buried. Start tre- digging up the whole yard. <laughs> One of those. We yeah. have one of those treasure maps we used to draw when we were kids. <laughs> yeah, X marks the spot, and then. But I, I wonder if they were just sitting around drinking and like, hey, I got a bottle. Let's put a, let's put a message here. And <laughs> yeah, bury it. I think that's probably what it was. Okay. Okay. Um, I guess this is during you know the recent stor- snowstorms that you know swept through the Midwest and in uh, Illinois. At, in the parking lot of a Jimmy John's, um, yeah, firefighters delivered a baby. They were unable to make oh, it wow. to the hospital in time, uh, so they were dispatched Wednesday morning. Report of a woman in labor in the uh, parking lot. A healthy baby girl was born within seven minutes of the firefighters' um, wow. arrival. The call came in at the parking lot. Which is actually kind of crazy because Jimmy John's has fa- freaky fast delivery, and this was yeah. a freaky fast birth. <laughs> yeah, um, seven minutes. Like they probably just like barely had time to get her get into there. the ambulance. I know, or maybe they just did it right there in the in the parking lot. 
Yeah, it said they huh. uh, actually. I think they actually delivered out in the parking lot. It says we wrapped the baby up. Dad cut the cord. We took the baby into the ambulance from there to keep it warm because it was pretty oh, cold. Oh well, okay. So I so guess they didn't even get her into the ambulance. <laughs> so yeah. get the baby in first, and then we'll we'll take care of mom, and and then at some point maybe think about dad. <laughs> hey, have you ever heard the story about Pee Wee's birth? Pee Wee's birth? No. Pee Wee. Uh, we got a cousin named Pee Wee. Um, this was in Germany, I think. Um, I, don't know. I might okay, cut this. Okay, no, that out. makes sense. We'll decide cause, later because his dad, yeah. you know, might have been stationed there, right? And uh, she was pretty deep in labor, and uh, she, you know, they took her to the hospital, and they, I guess, she was like kind of laying on a on a bed or whatever, waiting for her room, mm-hmm. and she grabbed the nurse as she was passed. She said, "Oh my gosh, I think I just had a bowel movement." And the nurse lifted up her thing and said, no, you just had a baby. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that that even beats uh, my, my first. Um, yeah. We, we at, in, in the morning, my wife said, today's the day. And you know what? She, every yeah. single one of ours, when she said, today's the day, it was it. That Ended up know, being the day. Never, huh. never was wrong. So it, she said... Today's the day. So we went in, and this is this is uh, at um, Robbins Air Force Base down in Georgia. And, yeah. you know, the the um, OB that they had there, you know, kind of examined her and said, well, you know, hey, you know, go, go back home, relax. Um, you know, in a, in a few days, I think you'll probably have a baby. I'm like, okay, well, I, I, I mean, I don't I know said today's the day. Yeah. So anyway... That night, we were back. He was off, I don't know, playing golf somewhere. They, they like, put out an emergency call to him because we got in there, and by the time they called her labor, he was not able to get there in time, and the official time on paper is that this was a four-minute labor. Wow. When uh, my my oldest, Danny, was But born. really, she was in labor from the first time she went there, and yeah. they sent her home. And you they know, were really, it was false labor. The thing that that people, I mean, you know, they call it false labor or whatever. What what people, uh, I think, um, often don't understand about labor is that labor itself is not a half hour, a two hour, or eight hour process. Labor is actually a process that takes weeks. Women start yeah. having contractions weeks before they have the baby. Those things that they're calling false labor, they're not real. They're not really false labor. They're just the early stages of labor. Yeah. Well, when... Okay, our first... We were so anxious. Um, We got sent home from the hospital at least three times. (laughs) Every time there's a little bit of pain, it was like, Oh, this is it. Let's go. Mm -hmm. And they'd be like, You're not in labor. Just go home and relax for a while. (laughs) All right. Did they tell you to have sex? Not to the... Yeah, they did. <laughs> they always say that. That'll bring on labor. It'll also take your mind off it. So, mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, so I, you know, you, you've got to wonder about the security of the Pentagon. When they find a chicken wandering around in a secure area, and they can't even identify how the chicken got there. 
Um, huh. Just walking around, huh? Just walking around. They have not... Uh, they, they can't reveal the exact location. I guess that would be a national secret. It was at a ch- security checkpoint. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. And it says, it's also unclear where the chicken came from or how she got to the Pentagon. Um, I guess, I guess they don't know how she got to the Pentagon. Maybe they know how she got into the secure area. Uh, yeah. but. <laughs> uh, I wonder she- what would happen if you dressed up like a chicken and tried to get in. <laughs> <laughs> you find those chicken outfits and just run in and try to get in. That would be funny. Just, just to show everyone how idiotic they are. Well, one of the staff I think you'd probably be shot. Has a small farm, uh, and so yeah. they adopted the chicken. But uh, it's like. Hmm. <laughs> Don't they have like cameras that showing them, like to, to at least so. be able to reproduce and say, oh, "Okay, here's where the chicken wandered onto the grounds and stuff like that." I wonder if somebody probably brought it in as a joke and yeah, like kind of it got loose. It's like, shoot, I'm going to get in so much trouble, and then <laughs> just didn't want to take credit for it. You know, I did something like that once at work when I worked at NIOSH in uh, Cincinnati. Uh, yeah, in one of the labs, we had this humidifier. And it was one of those, it was like an ultrasonic humidifier and it had this great big sort of tank of water that you would refill every morning and then the ultrasonic to, to evaporate the water into the air without using heat. Yeah. And um, somebody, you know, thought it was kind of cute. They put some stick, like fish stickers on it, like it's a fish tank. Well, one morning oh, okay. when I wasn't going to be there at work, I came in early and I put a couple of real goldfish in it. <laughs> Oh, yeah? Did you get caught? I didn't get caught. I mean, I told the secretary I was doing it because she was kind of in on the joke. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the girl who saw it, she came down and she told the secretary, she said, there's real fish in the tank. And the secretary no, just, just kind of smiled and said, no, there's not. And she thought of it and said, maybe there's not. And she had to go back and check again. <laughs> When I was in high school at Hughes, uh, my buddy's gerbil, I think. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if it was a gerbil or hamster had babies. Oh. He had like 10 of them. Wow. And he had to get rid of them, so we just brought them to school and let them go. <laughs> I, I thought you didn't put there them would like be in the some snake kind tank of, or something? No, we just let them go in the bathroom and walked away. I thought there would be some kind of commotion somewhere. Somebody would find one. Nothing. It was like, well, was well, it? They probably just found a. They probably just caught them and threw them away. Yeah, it was. I don't even remember because if it, it was like spring or fall, like like early or late in the season, they might have also even gotten outside. They would have gone outside, away. but if it was well, bigger, it, they would have had to go. Through a lot of hallways to get outside because it was like in the center of the building. You were hoping for like a a Mississippi Squirrel revival kind of a. (laughs) Yeah, something like that. And none of of that happened. It was kind of boring. It's a big letdown. All right. Well, uh, okay, last item. And this is kind of a double item because I sent you a couple pictures beside. Did you get those, by the way? Okay, let me see here. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So the the news story on uh, comes from Sky News. Um, <laughs> it's just like it's like okay, guys, is it time to stop buying from China? Anything made in China? Um, 
So England has their, they're going to do their um, Queen Elizabeth II's um, Jubilee. Um, and so they had a bunch of, you know, plates, teacups, that kind of stuff made up in China, mm-hmm. uh, which featured a banner proclaiming the Platinum Jubilee of Queen Elizabeth II. Jubilee spelled J-U-B-B-L-Y. Platinum Jubilee. I don't know what a Jubilee is. <laughs> well, it, I guess it's a, it's the Chinese version of a Jubilee. Oh, they misspelled <laughs> Jubilee. Platinum Jubilee. Jubilee. Uh, where? I can't. I can't. I, I'm looking at the pictures, but I don't know what I'm looking at or I'm looking for. Well, it's Queen Elizabeth. So you see where it says Platinum Jubilee? Oh, the pictures oh, that I sent I you. See that? Okay. Yeah. So. The Platinum Jubilee thing is is in the email I sent with the links. That's the link to, okay. to the Sky Sky News thing. Yeah, okay. Okay, so in it so this is while I was on the the track of okay guys, it's time to stop buying stuff that's made in China. I decided to throw mm-hmm. one more item and this is in my house. Um so Wayne Gretzky Gretzky G R E T Z K Y Gretzky is a hockey player. Yeah. Okay. If you look on the back of the box, and this is like a a like a uh, cartoonish, like oversized bobblehead type doll kind of a product. Oh, it's a bobblehead. Okay. But you can see the name is Wayne Bresdke. <laughs> yeah, they misspelled. And of course, I sent two pictures, one showing the misspelling clearly. The other, if you zoom in on it enough, you can see, yes, this was made in China. Um, yeah. So I just uh, thought I'd throw that in there. You can put that up. I don't, do we have a place to like upload yeah. pictures and stuff or or is it okay? Yeah, there's a show notes. Okay. Under each uh, episode on the web page is a uh, list of show notes where they got links and and pictures if pictures I wanted too. them, okay. videos, Good. stuff like that. Yeah, I'll put the pictures. All right, cool. So anyway, so, guys, start start buying American. Yeah, right. Like, you can find anything made in America anymore. I don't think that even exists. Even if you have to spend uh, a little bit more, buy American. And in no, fact, I would say buy local. If you have a, to spend a little more, buy in your own state. Uh, Red Pilled America did a couple shows on they decided we're going to try to have a hat made in america and it was like almost impossible for them wow did they finally get it i think they finally did and you can go there and buy a hat that's actually made in america wow but they had to go through a lot in order to be able to do that it wasn't just oh i want to buy american most of the time you can't find american Mm -hmm. there is no american yeah um but yeah, if you can. You know, we've been saying that for so long. I mean, you remember in the 80s when uh, Reagan first started saying, hey, we can have stuff made anywhere and made it. He, he took the first steps toward making it difficult to manufacture things in America and making it easier to manufacture in other countries. Oh, And yeah. that is Trump's complaint of of reagan he said yeah reaganomics work he did a lot of good stuff with his uh with trickle down and all that but but he didn't he, uphold he the, the gave american up. industrial manufacturing base right he yeah. he let it down and 
and now nothing is made in America. We don't even our medicine isn't even made in America. And Trump, and we don't even have the stuff to make medicine. Trying to reverse that, yeah. I mean, he, and he was on his steps, way, but right. <clears throat> and it's a shame that all of that came to naught. And I don't know. I guess we'll see what happens Nick, in uh, twenty four. But I don't. I'm not holding my breath. Hmm. All right. Well, that's all, right. all I've got in news today. Okay. I don't have a saint. Oh, I forgot about saints. I'm sorry. Yeah, I forget. I I didn't forget. Well, I I re, I remembered like an hour before you called <laughs> that I had just problem, heated up. We got some food. We, yeah, we need to. We need to like, have. Like, I have to eat. I don't know. It's like we need a list of them that we can well, a just list? go down to the next list. Or I'm thinking like like uh, a prep day. Like okay, we just agree we're going to spend I don't know two hours on Tuesday. Not yeah. getting together necessarily, but set aside two hours to prep for whatever. Yeah, you know, that the topic would... plus the saint plus whatever. That sounds so organized. <laughs> well, you yeah. know, we'd say it, but we'd never do it. <laughs> yeah, I know. We there's always. Yeah, I sent time prepping, and really, you spent like five minutes yeah. looking through some headlines. <laughs> and then... all right, well, uh, think about what we said, and as always, folks, circle the beads. And we'll see you next time. Bye, everyone.